Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson, 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 ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson skulle jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Vorp into something that could make dynamic rankings based on your actual scoring system. 
And the basic idea is what you explained. Uh, a forward may outscore defensemen, but because good defensemen are so rare, it might be better to actually choose the defensemen. So, for example, my default settings, Nikita Kucherov is projected for like 493 points. Makar is projected for 434, 60-point difference. Who would you rather have? It's probably a toss-up because their VORP is equal, where even though they uh, Kucherov should outscore Makar, because of the scarcity of defensemen, Makar is still an equal pick and sort of puts all the positions in context. And the way that I generally do it is based off the draft. So how play, how managers usually draft off the top 100. So this year, that was 21 centers, 21 left wingers, 18 right wingers, 22 defensemen, 18 goalies. And essentially, the every center is connected is projected over that 21st center. That's the replacement center. And VORP is how many points the center gets over that 21st player. There are some people who think it's better to just go by position, where if you have two centers in your starting lineup and there are 12 teams, then you actually compare it to the 24th center. But the issue that you get with that is that usually there are four defensemen, and now you're comparing it to the 48th defenseman, where most of the managers won't be drafting defensemen that high and that much really early. So you're putting yourself at a bit of a disadvantage where you can get those defensemen later and you're sort of reaching when you don't need to. That's why it's sort of better to go by draft base. But maybe if you want to see that extra value for defensemen, you can sort of blend them together and there is an option for that as well. Yeah, I think that a lot of people have been asking, like, oh, should I use, like, that's that feature that you have. Like, people can put in the number of players that are going to be drafted at each position. They can also put how many players are in the starting lineup for each position. And then you can choose, like, which version you want to use, like, position draft, or like you said, blend. And a lot of people have been asking us, like, oh, which one should I use? I feel like you should, like, you know, generate a rankings with one setting and then kind of get a sense of, like, you know your league, right? Like, do defensemen generally get drafted as high as what Dom's projections are ranking? Then I feel like that's kind of the way I would do it. Anyways... Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I would do it. I think uh, going by position is a bit too aggressive for defensemen. I just prefer to draft. I think the best way to draft is no one knows you're using a sheet like this where you mm-hmm. sort of try to pick players where they're supposed to go and sort of plan for when to pick those guys who come up a lot higher on the spreadsheet that aren't being drafted as high or whatever. So I remember last year, Josh Norris, everyone's like, why am I drafting Josh Norris? You could tell who had, who used my spreadsheet. By I who, knew, I by, knew when I was drafting against someone who was using your sheet because Josh, Josh Norris, Norris. And I think uh, it was Nick Suzuki. And there were a couple of guys who were like way up higher on your sheet than they mm-hmm. were on any default draft rankings. And I yeah. knew it was a tell. And Josh Norris popped off. He, <laughs> and I was vindicated. Yeah, was a great that. Call. Um, but yeah, so There'll, there'll always be players like that. And so you sort of have to think, when do I draft my Josh Norris? And you should see, look at his ADP and maybe at a, a round or two before that you pull the trigger and get your guy, I guess. And that'll, I don't know who that is this year. Uh, I'm not sure at all, but I'm sure I'll find out when everyone starts tweeting at me. Uh, might be Maddie Benyers. <laughs> At least your Josh Norris is better than like the the Yahoo guys of years past. Like Martin Marinson had a heck of an ADP year a few years back. And I think uh, Mathieu Biron once upon a time. This is Mm -hmm. this is years ago now, though. But um, Josh Norris has a better chance of hitting. I'm going to 
like now I'm looking through your whole sheet to, to figure out who this huge Josh Norris is. I was, I was trying to do that too. Um, well, the Beneers is an interesting one because another feature of your sheet this year is you've added this ability for people to add like a plus plus or a minus minus beside each player, like kind of like this mm-hmm. like boost if they want to like, you know, change the projection a little bit without having to go into like your data and actually change the numbers. You can just sort of add like 10%, remove 10% and you have provided your opinions of who should be getting these pluses and minuses. And yeah, Veneers, your model I see had him projected originally for 74 points and you brought him all the way down to 67. So you even gave him a minus, but that still has him like pretty high projecting a rookie for 67 points. So yeah. maybe like my fr- my next question can be like switching over now to the projections part of how you came up with these numbers. How well, okay, I guess there's like the general question of how does it work in general? Then I'm curious, how does it work like for rookies specifically? But I know like maybe we could wait for rookies for a bit, but I know for general players, I know that from past shows we've done, you talk about how like you take like the last three years or so of data and then you're like waiting it. Maybe the most recent seasons are worth more. But then there's also a bunch of other things you put into, like you've told us about like aging curves and and like, I don't know, like you time on ice estimations. Maybe can you tell us like a bit of what is the secret sauce that ends up with a projection before you add your plus plus or minus minus? I mean, you got a very good memory there that is basically the gist of it it's the last three years most recent season is weighted heavier it's adjusted for age and then everything is projected on a per minute basis so the big thing is trying to project ice time so normally i talk to every beat writer and i say what's the depth chart looking like where who's on the top power play all this stuff and uh, this year I made Shayna do that because she's working full time now and I can nice. I can get her to do those things. Uh, Shayna's actually worked on this every year. Uh, every year I message her and say, can I give you money to get ADP for everyone? Because I don't want to do it. And that is uh, that has been our little system. And now that she's here full time, I've been able to just say, Shayna, go get the ADP. And <laughs> she she actually helped the, the pluses and minuses. We talked on the phone or like, well, first we went through it ourselves, and then anytime there's a discrepancy, we talk on the phone like, "Why'd you give this guy a plus? Why'd you give this guy a minus?" And we uh, made a conglomerated list because while the projections are pretty good, I come on the show every year to talk about why they're not better and perfect, and we talk about the players we disagree with. And you guys are like, "Why do you have this guy high?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I agree." <laughs> And yeah, so this year will be more interesting because we could just ask you about who you gave pluses and minuses to and why you did that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, one of the things is I don't control for players changing teams and the context changing around them. So I remember when Phil Kessel went from Pittsburgh to Arizona, his projection was super high, but the model doesn't know that he's went from playing with Evgeny Malkin to Nick Schmaltz or Clayton Keller. And so in that year, I would have given some minuses because the projection was probably a bit too aggressive. Uh, this year, for example, the first minuses go to Patrick Kane because everyone in Chicago left and it was probably aggressive to project 90-something points for someone who doesn't really have anyone to play with. All, all it, it depends on if he gets traded uh, and how soon that happens. But for now, it's probably better to be safe with a, a more modest projection. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about Patrick Kane. Your model had him originally as 94-point guy after he's paced for like 96-plus for the past four seasons. So your model already was bringing him down a little bit. I assume that's because of age, like the age curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you bumped him down all the way to 85 points, like closer to point per game. Is this more to do... In, this is, it sounds like you're saying it's, this has to do with just the fact that all the players left Chicago and not necessarily that you think like Patrick Kane is like a lot worse of a player next year. 
Yeah, yeah, it, that is entirely based off of context. And uh, Shana wrote an article uh, going through some of the pluses and minuses and why we decided them. Um, but sometimes it was as simple as, oh, yeah, I like that guy. And uh, we wanted him a, li- a little higher. Or sometimes he had a season last year where he broke out and the model is a little slow to catch up. So we wanted to maybe give that boost because we believe in what that player did last year. Yeah. And then so then someone like Veneers, I'm curious to know, because your model originally projected, like I said, for 74. How do you project a rookie? Like, how do you pass in whatever you pass in and then get 74 points for Maddie Veneers, who only has that, you know, 10 games of NHL experience? I I used those 10 games of NHL experience. And in that time, he was amazing. amazing. And so I think he is definitely an interesting player for drafting purposes this year i think he should be available extremely late but i think the top center job in seattle is like open for the taking he last year in 10 games he had nine points averaging i think 17 minutes and i don't know if a lot of that was on the power play either so i think i adjusted that accordingly and it came out extremely high and we had to reel it back a bit for the the sake of these projections yeah he had to so he had four power play points in those 10 games. He was like seeing top unit time. So like a yeah. 65% share, but like that bodes really well for what mm-hmm. to expect this year. If he was able to see the majority power play time in 10 rookie games, and that's kind of Seattle tipping their hand that he's going to get more. Uh, and like, it's a, it's a huge number. Like I, I love, like, I'm still trying to figure out like how exactly, like how, like you took those 10 games, you saw how great he was. What exactly, like, can, is there any more detail about how, like how the, how the calculation ended up being so high for him, especially as a rookie? Cause I know in the past, I, I think we were going to get to this later, but I might as well ask now, like your model without having that historical data has been really low on rookies. Am I, am I remembering mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. this is like a totally new, a totally new look. It is really low on rookies when I need to use data outside the NHL. Uh, so I don't know who that applies for this year, but they're, they're normal low self, uh, this year, uh, Beniers and power both had some NHL time. And so they're pretty high because what they showed in that NHL time already was so strong. Um, basically, uh, there's just this, a heavy dose of regression based on sample size. So someone like Kane, if they score 96 points, three years in a row played all their games, they are going to be projected for around 94 because they've been consistent. Whereas if someone scores at a 96 point pace over 10 games, they might be regressed to like 50 or 60. Like there's signal in 10 games where sometimes it's a hot streak, but sometimes, you know, this player has already got it because even getting a 10 game sample where you're above point per game, like that doesn't happen for just anyone. Uh, I remember when Austin Matthews was a rookie, I projected what he did after what he would do after one game because he scored four goals. I'm like, what does a four goal game do for projection? And I think immediately after that, I was like, yep, this is a 40 goal score just based off of one game. And I think if you just regress it properly based on sample size, uh, you can get a lot of information out of a small amount of data with Ben years. The issue is that he is extremely young. So the age curve bumps up that, uh, uh, projection and limits the effect that regression has. And it basically says he scored nine points in 10 games. He can probably score at a 0.9 point per game pace. And it's probably a little too aggressive for me, but he 
he was pretty impressive in that time. And I think bumping him down to the 60 point range makes sense. They think he's going to get an ample opportunity in Seattle to be the guy. And we, we saw Matt Boldy, I think scored a, a similar pace last year. It's not completely out of the question. He has high pedigree. I, I like him a lot. Uh, but yeah, he did need to be bumped down a bit. Yeah, I guess also you've talked, like you said, you talked to the beat writers. So I'd imagine that your Seattle contact was telling you that you're expecting like a lot of ice time and a lot of power play time for Beniers, which, which helps since he's, I, I think, the number one center going into next season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. And Seattle definitely splits their their time a bit, uh, but it's, uh, it should be Beniers for next year being the guy. So then one more like mechanics question, I guess, before we get into more specific players. So I guess we've already kind of dug into <laughs> to veneers at least. Uh, like the goalies, yeah. What previous data are you looking for when you're project? Because here you're projecting like a save percentage, number of saves, and number of games played. I'd imagine like for save percentage, you could go by their previous uh, individual performance. So I'd imagine the team... Like, I'm just curious to know how much their team matters for these projections. Because like for goalies, like it matters so much what the defense is like. And you know, people like Darcy Camper, like Jack Campbell, who have switched teams. I'm curious to know how your model... Counted for that if it did at all because yeah you had to come up with a number of games and a number of saves uh so for the majority of goalies i just go by save percentage in the same manner i project based on the last three years wait on recency actually i think for goalies it's five years because more data is better for goalies for the goalies that switch teams i looked at their save percentage above expected uh, on one team and then looked at what their expected save percentage for that team was last year. And I sort of blended the two together. So I think last year Toronto's expected save percentage was higher than Edmonton. So I dropped Campbell's save percentage down a bit to reflect his new environment. Um, same with Matt Murray, who's going from Ottawa to Toronto where the defense is fairly stronger. I got to ask you about the Matt Murray projection because the thing that jumps out to me because I was like thinking I don't know Dom's kind of a Leafs fan and I see you've got 50 games projection mm-hmm. for Matt Murray which is like is that take does your model take into account the fact that he's always injured for a large chunk of the season uh games played projections are generally based on vibes only for goalies uh <laughs> okay I go by whether he's a starter and whether he is going to be like someone who has a huge workload like UC Soros or whether it'll be like a, a player who maybe just gets like a one a role. And I think because of Murray's injury risk and because Sam Stonov is there, I put him down for 50, but I assume the Leafs will try to play him a bit more. It'll just have to like manage the risk a bit. I 50 is probably a bit generous, but I think Murray is worth a pretty high pick because he's going to be playing for one of the best teams in the league. And I think he has a very strong sporting cast in front of him. And if your league values wins, I think the Leafs are going to have a lot of those. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it makes sense. You're kind of, it sounds like you're saying like, assuming he's healthy, you expect Murray to play 50 games, but then it's kind of up to the person drafting to decide how much, you know, risk they want to take in terms of like, this guy sometimes gets injured. By the way, is that your dog playing with a, a chew yeah. toy in the back? Yes. Sounds like she's having a great time. Hi, Ocean. Yeah. She's, uh, she walked right by my legs. I saw the little chew toy in her mouth and she's squeaking her life away over there. <laughs> So since we're since we're on the goalies, I'm curious to ask, like, uh, who would you rather draft? Because another interesting goalie that's really high up in your list, uh, 
including like along with Matt Murray is Alex Georgiev, who mm-hmm. has never really done anything in the NHL. Last year, he had a 898 save percentage the year before 905 and the year before 910. But your model spat out a 915 save percentage and 52 games. And like, so that works out to a lot of wins because he's obviously on Colorado now. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious to know, first of all, like how you came up with that, like save percentage for Georgiev. And then also who, who would you rather draft between Georgiev and Matt Murray for a draft next year? Um, so one of the regressions I do is based on their role. So for players, if like a player who gets 10 minutes per night gets regressed differently than someone who gets 20 minutes per night, like you get regressed to your peers. And so rather than regress all the way to the mean, someone who scores hundred points is going to be regressed towards players who play a lot in our first liners and regress to that mean. So I've like different means based on role. And the same thing goes for goalies, where if you're a starter, you're going to be regressed to other starters. And if you're a backup, you're going to be regressed to other backups. It's based on, I guess, games played. And with Murray and Georgiev, because they are the starters now, they got bumped up because they're being regressed to other starters. Maybe that was not the the safest way to do things. But if they were given that role and Colorado right off the bat said Georgiev's our, our starter, then they're going to be treated that way. And the more games they play in that role, the more that'll adjust. But yeah, for both Colorado and Toronto, we, we've seen that they don't need strong goaltending to win. Toronto had, I think the fourth worst save percentage in the league last year, something like that. Colorado won the cup with Kemper playing with one eye. So I think both will be fine to get wins. Save percentage might be a bit of a a different story, but uh, we'll see. I, I think I would prefer Georgiev, but I think it's pretty, pretty close. You're basically, when you're drafting those guys, you're drafting for the team. And I think Colorado is probably a little safer than Toronto, though they, they lost a lot of talent. I think that's getting, going a little underrated this year. Right. Okay. And I guess it's, yeah, it's so tricky because they're both goalies at, well, like Murray's shown us like in short spurts, the ability to be really good, uh, yeah. but then also a lot, a lot of struggles and Georgiev, I don't know. I guess it'll be interesting to see because he's on a different team and like New York is so bad at protecting their goalies. So it might just be like a nice new mindset shift for him to play yeah. on a stronger team. Even if like you say, they've lost some players. They still obviously had quite a few to, they were able to afford to lose at least a couple. Yeah. One um, of, with Georgia, one of the other things, sorry to cut you off, but uh, what I've heard is that he, this is from Shayna, who is a Rangers fan. So uh, she's got the inside info, but Georgia is better when he's in a rhythm and can play more games. And so being behind Shesterkin, I think, didn't help his numbers, but once Shesterkin had, I think, a brief moment of injury and Georgia started a few games in a row, he was a bit better and he's been better in the past based on that. But we'll see if that is a thing. Goalies are, are voodoo, obviously. That's what we've noticed too about, by the way, I'm furiously uh, trying to look up in the pronunciation guide. We've been calling Georgiev all these years after being corrected. And in the official NHL guide, it's spelled G-E-E to pronounce the Georgi, like the, the first part of his name. I'm going to join you because I think uh, I think I'm going to switch over to Georgiev. You sound like you know what you're... And you talk to Shayna, who watches a lot of Rangers hockey. Um, so, But we've noticed too that Georgiev is uh, like... When he's subbed in for for a hurt goalie, when he's gotten a few games in in a row, it gets really exciting. And then it's really boom or bust when mm-hmm. he is just spot starting. And we heard also um, in our beat writers interview for the Rangers that 
uh, like he was unhappy with the situation, which is kind of like, it was kind of funny. It's like, he thought he deserved to play more games. Like, I'm sorry, but you're behind Igor Shostrukin. So there's not really that opportunity, yeah. but <laughs> here in Colorado, like he has a good case to make. And I, I find it interesting that you have Georgie Evan Murray, like back to back, pretty much on your draft list just because you know matt murray has been this guy who's like either been really awesome or really terrible and there hasn't been a lot of in between and then Mm -hmm. georgiev has been this guy who's just he's never been like i'm using like delta fenwick save percentages and he's never been actually good over the course of a full season but he has been about average and you have him at 915 i think which is you know, if, if you sort of shave off like Kemper's 921 from last year in Colorado, see that the defense should be just as good, uh, shave off a bit, you land at 915. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense. So it's going to be, I think that's going to be a tell, honestly, like that could be your Josh Norris, like the the Georgie Evan Murray to see how early they go. Because I think yeah. they'll be under the radar in in most leagues. But yeah. uh, but I, I think that I think it'll be pretty clear who's got them really high based on your sheet um, from those ADPs. Yeah, I I see their draft. It's the same with when Kemper went to Colorado. I remember his ADP was really low. I'm like, you know, this is the Colorado goalie, right? Like he's going to play. And it was the same thing with him. He had injury troubles or questions about whether he could start uh, all these games. And I don't know why he's he wasn't being drafted as highly. He was the starter for the avalanche. And I think people like to look at drafting goalies as if they're drafting the goalie, but a lot of times you're drafting the team. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I guess like last year, I totally agreed with you. Like Kemper's going to be the starter. Like this year, I guess like when I first saw that Georgiev came over to Colorado, I'm switching to Georgiev also. I, uh, you guys uh, you should know, not trust me on that, by the way. I don't, okay. I don't know. Uh, you're the expert. Well, you're the expert on the show today. So we'll at least go with that. In one guide, it starts with G E E. In another guide, it starts with G H E E. And I'm not sure how to pronounce either of those. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll do our best. Uh, but yeah, like this year, like, you know, it doesn't seem as obvious, or at least it didn't seem as obvious. I thought, oh, it could be Franz Sozin, George you have like splitting time but then like we just had this interview with your colleague peter bow uh earlier this week and he was saying yeah no it's georgiev is the one who's gonna be the starter to start the year and so he'd have to like lose the job uh but okay let's switch to some uh, skaters now uh going looking at all your plus plus pluses and minus minuses and again the way you had it is and it's uh, the cool thing about the spreadsheet is everything's configurable right so you can just go in but right the way you have it by default is like three pluses is like a 20 percent dip or increase and then two pluses or minuses is 10 percent, and then one is five percent and you're only triple plus player the person you're bumping up 20 percent from your model is jack hughes so without the triple plus hughes would only come out to 27 goals and 66 points uh mm-hmm. by your model but you bumped him all the way up to 32 goals and 79 points so almost a point per game i'm gonna guess that his 49 games last season where he put up 56 points were enough to convince you that like the previous years can just be wiped away because before that the year before he was just around a 45 point guy so mm-hmm. am i correct in just assuming that you're just like forget about everything you've seen from jack hughes before these last 49 games yeah that is basically it uh i remember tweeting his first game two years ago he looked insane he was so good he was dominating all over the ice he just he couldn't finish uh he was making plays his teammates couldn't finish and i tweeted once J- uh jack hughes learns how to finish it's over for everyone and last year we saw exactly that and devils fans were excited they retweeted that tweet so much and it was one of my best prophecies ever and it was the, one of the easiest ones to make because he 
is already one of the most skilled players in the league. And if you looked at his micro stats, if you follow Corey Schneider, he tracks every game. Before last year's explosion, Hughes was one of the best players in the league at moving the puck up ice, making plays. He had a similar profile to guys like Kane and Point and Marner. And he was really good with the puck. It just he didn't have the right amount of puck luck. He didn't have the teammates. And last year, that changed a bit. And I think when you have a guy with a high pedigree with a high skill set, it is better to lean towards the breakout than lean towards the average of his last three seasons. And the model, I mean, for better or worse, goes in between and says, I know he paced at 95 points or whatever over 49 games, but that's not enough to go off of based on his prior two seasons. But me and Shayna love Hughes. We figure he'll, he should be around point per game player. And honestly, I think even with the three triple pluses, it's probably not high enough. But at the same time, if I look at my league settings, he's ranked 76th and his ADP is around 96, which is wild to me. Yeah, that would be amazing to get Hughes just like barely inside the top 100. I, I don't think he's been calling quite that far in our Keeping Carlson League mocks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's abs- like the recent record, I mean, it, it, towards his final games of last year, he's had 14 multi-point outings in the last 36 games, which means like he's winning you weeks with those, with those multi-point performances. And what was interesting to me too, is like, you know, the devils have added to their lineup and I'm like, okay, well, does that change any of the dynamics? But Hughes was still spending like his final 20 games of last year with Sharon Govich and Mercer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you have Jesper Bratt taking a step up and Andre Palat arriving but I think maybe they're just going to hang out with Nico Hishier, um elsewhere in the top six, which mm-hmm. like, I, so I'm actually, I think I'm hopeful that Hughes's line mates stay consistent. Although I, it's a, you're not that worried. And I don't think I am too. I feel like he can make magic happen with anyone. I'm just like, you know, you said once he figures out how to finish, he's going to be amazing. Like mm-hmm. what, what I know your model's high. And I mean, you sound higher on him than even your model is. So like what, what is that qualitative piece? Like, what have you, what have you seen that you like so much about Jack Hughes that like we could look for too? Uh, he just has that like innate game breaking ability where he's just like so deceptive and creative with the puck. He has amazing vision and just the plays he makes. He like immediately like, just reminds me of Patrick Kane in his prime, just the way he handles the puck. He is so shifty and obviously he's not, a very big guy, but he handles it pretty well. Uh, there is like obviously the injury risk with him because he is smaller, but I think this will be a big year for him just like last year was. And he will establish himself as a like franchise type player. I think last year was like the flash of it. And this year, I think we're going to see it for real. The other thing that I think people need to know about Hughes is that the devil's power play sucked last year. And I'm pretty sure they fired yeah. their coach who handles that. And so it should be much improved this year. Yeah. By the way, I should mention when you brought up the injury risk, all the numbers that I'm going to throw at you today, when I'm talking about like what you projected, I just used that option on your spreadsheet of saying to ignore your games played projection and assume everyone's going to play 82, just so we could be comparing apples to apples. And and like we said with Murray, people could make their own decisions of if they <laughs> want to account for potential injury risks. But yeah, honestly, like even with your plus plus plus, like you said, and you've got Hughes at 79 points, I, I'd probably even bump him a little higher. Like I think like, yeah. I'd probably expect him to be more like an 85-ish 
much fun. Look, I, I think he's similar to like a Patrick Kane at yeah. this point. Uh, all right. So Brian wanted to bring up the yeah. next player. Well, here's someone else you've bumped higher and like is, is showing up like a lot earlier in drafts than usual. I'm talking about Vladimir Tarasenko, who like I have whiplash from uh, going by last year. Like, so last year in our Luke cup fall, which is the keeping Carlson ultimate patrons, fancy league, KKUPFL.com for more info. We sell space on the wait list. We're opening new divs. If, uh, if you, you uh, buzz marketing to in. Dom or to the listener. Oh yeah. Dom. I, this is actually direct marketing straight to Dom. It's the only reason we brought him on was to try and bring him into the cup fall. Um, open invitation, but Tarasenko last year in the couple, he was going 150th overall on average, like lumped in with guys like Ryan Strom, Ricard Raquel, Victor Arvidsson, Brock Nelson. This year he's going top 50 in our mocks and I'm regularly seeing him, you know, end of third round, early fourth round. And I have to decide it's like, this guy clearly looks like the best guy on the draft board, according to whoever fan tracks uses for their projections and according to last year's performance. And also Dom, according to your sheet, cause you've got him boosted also, but like, I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around it. Cause you know, since breaking out in, in 2014, 15, Tarasenko had 78, 76, 75, 68 and 73 point paces. And then he had this like crazy 90 point pace at age 30 in like a season that of all seasons Tarasenko's ever had, this is the one we were expecting to not go well. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, and it was crazy. And he even had like his lowest average time on ice of his established career. Um, and then, but I think his numbers were like bolstered. He had a career high shooting percentage at five on five, 17% versus 12%. His on ice shooting percentage also was higher than it's ever been before at five on five. And I thought, I felt comfortable passing on him in like at those times around 50 in our mock drafts. And now I'm like, you're making me rethink things. Cause you have that plus sign next to his name. I mean, we're kind of splitting hairs cause you do have him closer to those mid 70 point paces and last year's 90 point pace, but mm-hmm. there's still something that you seem to like about him more this year. Um, then, you know, then your model will give him credit for. So w- what is that? Uh, he's healthy. That's basically, the gist of it i think the the years where he was really bad he was just dealing with issues but last year i think he proved he was back to being that guy who can score at a point per game pace and i think the original projection had him like low 70s or maybe even high 60s and me and shana said let's bump him higher because last year seemed like the the real tarasenko again and he has a very strong supporting cast and the way the blues play, I feel like he can, he can score a lot. I, I would be weary of drafting him high because he does have injury an injury history, but at the same time, I think this is a contract year for him. So wouldn't be shocked to see a, a big season. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, also like when Brian, I know that you always got used to him being a mid seventies point guy for all those years. So now it's weird for you to like, start thinking of him as like point per game, but it's I like do want comfort. Wonder- it's like, if, if I can set my watch to anything in this world, it's Vladimir Tarasenko being mid seventies, that changes. My whole world is upside down. That's why well, I'm, just- I'm fighting this so much. <laughs> but I guess all I was going to say is that like, the NHL is scoring more goals now than like back when he was. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's the same player, but just like, yeah. you just have to boost everyone by a little, it's inflation, unfortunately yeah. happening all over the world, even in <laughs> hockey. All right. Next up, I want to go to Dom. I got a trivia question for you about your own projections. There's only one team that has multiple plus plus guys. 
So guys that you added two pluses to. And actually, the one team that has multiple of these guys has three of them. And then every other team either has zero or one. Do you want to try to guess which team you have three uh, guys that you put a plus plus beside? Rangers? No, not the Rangers. Interesting. Um... All right, well, I'll give you a clue. Columbus, you nailed it. It is. Okay. You've got three blue jackets that you're expecting to beat your model. So those are Zach Wierenski, Patrick Laine, and Boone Jenner. Uh, would you say, before we get into those specific players, would you say, are you just like generally higher on Columbus than no. most, or is it just no. these particular players? <laughs> no, uh, I think my model just doesn't like Columbus, but that is basically the Johnny Gaudreau effect, where Boone Jenner, it looks like he'll be the guy between Line a and Gaudreau. Line a is going to be definitely playing with Gaudreau. That's probably why they signed him. And Wierenski is going to be on that top power play. And I think that power play is going to get a lot better. That top line should score a lot. And you'll see that I knocked Gaudreau down, but I bumped every everyone else up just because I think he has the ability to impact uh, shooting percentage and make those players a lot better. Yeah, I mean, like Gaudreau, like you bump him down and he's still like well above 100 points. So I think it's reasonable. And yeah, someone like a Wierenski, I was curious to know because your model has him like super high. Like before your pluses, your model already uh, had him at 57 points, which is what he did uh, last season. But now you're bringing him up to like a 62 points. So is is the idea here also just like you say, like, I guess he's like the sure shot top power play, like more minutes mm-hmm. than ever. Like, yeah, I guess the like, Columbus doesn't have like the deepest decor. So that's a good reason yeah. to be really excited about Wierenski with Gaudreau coming in yeah and I see it's being drafted around 98 that's a I feel like a, a nice target especially if you already have a, a couple defensemen if Zach Ransky is like your third defenseman that's pretty pretty great where can I t- where are your ADPs coming from uh Yahoo okay um we didn't we got to fill out the ESPN ones uh we got <laughs> okay. we, we got to get an update going um yeah I mean, yeah. I, I like, again, I, I'm asking because I love that value. Like you mentioned, Jack Hughes is that like, that's great. And I was looking him up in our Kukupful ADPs and he's going like 30th uh, on average in the Kukupful. We've got Wierenski going uh, just ahead of 60th. So uh, like he is valued in places, but I guess, you know, it's a bit, obviously the yeah. Yahoo default draft list decides, um, decides a lot, but I love, like, I love what you're doing and saying about Wierenski. Um yeah. Like he's, he's like underappreciated, I think for what he did last year. And a lot of people would say, oh, well, he's been the same player for, you know, most of the last five years. And then all of a sudden he has a big season. Aren't we supposed to not believe in that? It's like, no, we are because like the whole situation changed. Seth Jones was gone. Um, and he started shooting so much more like that, the best shot rates of his career. He ranked fourth in the league amongst defensemen in shots per game. Huge ice time helped him get that. And uh, even on the power play, he was, he was averaging like nearly one expected goal per hour, mm-hmm. which is that's like that's high for a defenseman. And I don't see them changing that. Um, and then I'm, I'm wondering, like, like just to keep going through Columbus, um, of course, tack on to anything I said about Wierenski, if the love fest uh, needs to continue a little longer. Um, but then um, we're looking at Patrick Line, who also got a boost from you who of course like struggled that first year in Columbus. That was the year with all the turmoil and Winnipeg and, you know, couldn't really adjust to, to Columbus right away. And then uh, Boone Jenner, who we're sort of waiting to see where he slots into the lineup. So you've given them both uh, a bit of a boost. So um, yeah. Wondering if you could offer, like, I guess you're assuming that line a is going to play with Gaudreau 
and not Voracek. And are you also uh, assuming Jenner gets in on that action too? Like all these three guys are aligned? Yeah, I would say so. That seems to be how they're configuring things. Once we see what's happening with training camp, we might go back and adjust some of the pluses and minuses. That's the, the beauty of having that feature is we can alter it and have updates. Uh, whereas in the past, we wouldn't be able to have those because there's basically just a, a set projection where we're just changing ice time around. But now we can make qualitative adjustments based on how players are are situated during training camp and for now it seems like it'll be Jenner and line A but who knows maybe it's Cole Sillinger maybe it's Kent yeah. Johnson it's I don't know yeah Boone Jenner obviously has a huge like boomer bust depending on where he slots in in that lineup and if he holds yeah. that top power place but uh I guess article request when you when you go in and make those changes I would definitely love if you uh, dropped an article like letting us know who you decided to change their pluses and minuses and why that would obviously be really useful. Um, It'll probably be a, a patch notes in the main article. Hey, all right, whatever. We'll, we'll find it and we'll share it with our, with the, with our patrons at least. Uh, so, okay, let's go to two other D that you boosted aside from uh, Wierenski and those are Brent Burns and Miro Haskinen. So Burns needed the boost just to maintain his pace from last year. Like uh, he had the 54 point pace last year with the Sharks and then I guess your model was going to bring him down probably because of the age regression I'd assume Uh, so you now boosted him back up to similar 55 with with the Canes I think a lot of people were kind of even thinking they wanted to go higher you know like oh well if Burns got 54 last year with the Sharks shouldn't he even do even better with the Canes like especially since Tony D'Angelo is coming off a 65 point pace season with that team Mm -hmm. Uh, so do you see Burns as like a sure shot top power play guy like all season long Uh, or do you think that like you had to you know keep him at where he was last year since like it's not a guarantee um yeah honestly uh now that you mentioned it might have might maybe should have given him a third plus uh because i do think like the reason we gave him pluses was because he's going to that carolina power play which is always lethal and burns's uh skill set is closer to hamilton's than it is to d'angelo's i think and i think that was when carolina's power play was at their best so i i can see it popping off a lot i can see him getting back up to the 60 point range, but at the same time, because he's old, like it's better to be a bit patient with that. Yeah. I think patience is going to be important for anyone who, who goes for Brent Burns. Like you're going to want to see how it turns out, but I like, I'm also trying to figure out how patient I want to be. Cause like, there's been a pretty clear pattern of decline for the last few years. But I think as mm-hmm. you mentioned, like I, Carolina is probably <laughs> Carolina is probably better fit for him than San Jose, uh, you know, the, the, the sharks were in decline. So I can't really blame Brent Burns for being so much um, on, on his own, especially at age 37, someone on the like opposite side of this heading into his age 23 season is Miro Haskinen, who like is getting tons of hype in fantasy circles, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Klingberg's gone. This is his time. Uh, everyone's always like, there's always been talk like, Oh, he has so much more offense to show. He just hasn't had the chance to show it. And here he is. He's going to have the chance. Um, Your model has him like you boosted him to 53 points. Why do you think he's going to have a better season than last year? And then why did you think he's going to have an even better season than that? Uh, Yeah, he's young. He's entering his prime. He's one of the best defensemen in the world. Just hasn't had power play time and time with the top unit specifically. And I did adjust to give him more power play time, but I don't think that adjustment reflected like the change in quality of uh teammates that he'll get from going from power play two to power play one i and i think just like 
not even just getting that opportunity, but knowing like you are like now the guy and you're not fighting for, for minutes and just having that role, I think will get him in a better rhythm for power play. And I think based on his skill set, he should be someone who is immediately elite in this role. But I don't know. I think 52 points is, it feels like a safe bet for him. Yeah, I almost feel like there's some people who are expecting even more. I mean, you look at Zach Wierenski, who like Seth Jones left, like we were just talking about, and then he kind of popped off last year, and now it's maybe a similar situation yeah. for Hayskin. And I think a lot of people think Hayskin is better than Wierenski anyways. Oh, like, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, and I want to just say quickly about Burns. I know, Brian, you were talking about the shots on goal decreasing. I just have this curiosity of like, maybe that was almost by design. Like, uh, you know, they had Carlson on the power play. Like, you know, like now, it, I, I could definitely see Burns' shots on goal increasing a lot. Now, if you're saying, he, Dom, that he's going to be back to like a Dougie Hamilton type role on that Carolina top power play. Um, we, we will see. I feel like, Carolina is a smart team and they won't want their defensemen shooting that much. But I think just the threat of having it, having that weapon will, will be helpful and Burns might shoot a bit more, but I don't know if he'll go crazy with it. Cause I don't think they want the power play running through Burns, but right. that's fair. Uh, he, he's an option back there and that like lets everything roam around more freely. So let's go to some minus guys. Now you've got, uh patrick kane who we've already discussed and i guess you know that makes sense you still we still have him as a point per game guy even after your minus minus uh then there's like four players who change teams and i feel like you fit in well with uh brian and us we're also debbie downers when it comes to players changing teams and often we like want to preach caution and not expect that like oh new opportunity they're going to explode oftentimes like players end up not doing as well and so like you have uh four guys here i'll just like rhyme them off nazem kadri going to Calgary, David Perron going to Detroit, Burakovsky going to Seattle, and then Tony D'Angelo going to Philly. And you put minuses, or double minuses, I should say, mm-hmm. bes- beside all four of them. So maybe just taking them quickly, like, a couple at a time. Like, Kadri had that crazy 100-point breakout last season. Your model already bumped him down to 70 from 100, I guess, based, yeah. of course, on, like, previous seasons. He's getting a little bit older. He's 31. And then you decided to bump him even further all the way down to 63. I know, Dom, you are often someone who receives tweets from people who disagree with you sometimes not the nicest tweets got to imagine did you get anything mean from uh, flames fans when you have kadri at a 63 point pace projection uh not really uh i don't know i feel like it's a bit more realistic based on all the fantastic luck he had last year uh Hmm. and he's going from one of the best offensive teams in the league to a team that'll play a bit more of a defensive style and I, I know. I just, I, I love the player. I just, I can't see him really getting up that high again on a, on this team without playing on that lethal Colorado power play that also gets a million opportunities per game. Like that's the underrated thing about Colorado. It's not so much that they're good. They are, but the fact that they get so many chances to be on the power play is like a big thing as well. Yeah. And, and I think 55, 60 points seems perfect for Kadri. That's where we would have thought of him in the past. And then, like you said, Colorado is like the perfect, the perfect storm of everything going right. And it didn't even look unsustainable for Kadri for a lot of the season. But the situation, like the context is all gone. And I think you've adjusted for that or your model has really mm-hmm. well. And plus, like, who knows? Like, he might not play with Huberto or Toffoli. He might be playing with like Manjapani and Blake Coleman. Like, these, it's a total. Um, yeah. Change. I mean, it, yeah. it's a good top six like those are like unless he there are shifts he played with Landis Cog or Nachushkin like 
Nishushkin and Manjipani are probably similar, but like, uh, yeah, I feel like it's a, a strong second line that he'll be a part of. Uh, but yeah, like he he had Burkowski in Colorado as well. He's yeah. a he's a good player. Love him, but very different going from Colorado to Seattle, where he's now going to be expected to be, I guess, the guy. And he's been a very efficient scorer in the middle six for his entire time in Colorado. And I just wonder how he shifts to a top line role where he's expected to do a bit more. Uh, but at the same time, he didn't get much power play time in Colorado and in Seattle, he will probably be on the first unit and that sort of mitigates some of that. So he's, he's an interesting player, but I think because of the increase in power play time, my model was a bit overzealous and uh, we want to dial it back a bit. Speaking of dialing it back, you've also dialed it back for David Perron this season. He's someone you've, uh, you've given a little minus sign to, and I'm curious to know more about that. Cause like, this is a guy who's never had like his even strength production continues to be pedestrian, even over this like little career Renaissance he's having that's all come on the power play. Like just in the last three years after a career of power play two deployment, he's hopped on the top unit and he's been uh, like a, a real, real stud there ever since like his, his power play shot and shot attempt rates have spiked big. His scoring has, he's got, like goals and assists are coming. And I feel like Detroit, if I'm not expecting him to perform much better at five on five, which he hasn't for years, but maybe he can just step on that Detroit power play and be a, like as, as valuable there as he was in his old place. So I'm, I'm wondering like, if we're not thinking too hard about his, about that pedestrian five on five production and just needing Perron's top power play production to sustain, uh, do you think it can via the top power player? Or do you think even that's dicey in Detroit? Uh, it is dicey because he's going to a, a lesser team, but the other issue is he might not be on that top power play at all. Detroit has, I think, several other options that they might go with. I I think we looked at the depth charts where we asked uh, Max Boltman what he thought, and I think he initially believed that uh, Perron might not be on that top power play, so that was one of the reasons we, we bumped him down, and I just think it's a a situation that uh, I don't know, isn't uh, is definitely worse. And I think he'll perform a fair bit worse in Detroit compared to St. Louis. Yeah. I guess he's also 34 years old. So you have that potential age regression there. So I think I'd also be conservative and yeah, like on one hand, you think, why do you bring him in if he's not going to be on the top power play, but on the other, yeah, you've got Bertuzzi, Larkin, Lucas Raymond. And then, yeah, maybe it's like Verona who takes the fourth spot or, Andrew Cobb, I don't know, probably not him. But yeah, I guess we'll have to see what happens there. Okay, yeah, and then I guess I uh, quickly, like D'Angelo, probably pretty obvious, right? Like he paid for 65 last year. You talked about the Carolina power play. We're still expecting him, I assume, to be on the top power play on Philly. And it's just a matter of you just think Philly is like so much worse. Yes, that is the entire deal. Uh, I think for power plays, uh, who you play with matters a lot. And D'Angelo is a decent player and a good power play quarterback, but Philadelphia just doesn't have the weapons up front. Okay, so next up, I want to go to a couple minus guys. So far, I think we've, Brian and I are pretty much agreeing with you on everything you're saying. I don't think we've had anyone that we've been like, I don't know, but here's a couple minuses that I am kind of like, 
not that I disagree, but it piqued my interest. I'm curious to hear the explanations for. So mm-hmm. also two guys that switched teams, starting with Kevin Fiala. So I feel like everyone is losing their mind about Kevin Fiala after he went to LA because mm-hmm. people are thinking like, oh, this is a guy who now gets to almost for sure be on the top line when he wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing with Kaprizov last year. And now that everyone's assuming he's going to be playing with Kopitar. Also, he'll be top power play. Last year, he wasn't even on the top power play the, the full season. And you've got Fiala still bumped down to uh, 73 points, even though he's coming off this like 85 point season. Uh, so I'm just curious to know, like, are you like not as high on him as a king or is it more just like last year was just totally unsustainable? Uh, I think it's a combination of things where last year felt a bit unsustainable. Um, I don't know if he's a true like top line guy where he was a bit sheltered in Minnesota and I'm a little cautious of how he'll fit in in that way. And I think the other thing is that Minnesota system is good for offense and LA's is not so much. (laughs) And uh, I, I love the fit and I think he should help a lot. I just am a little concerned about whether uh, he has a bit of the King's disease where he just can't finish. (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's been a problem for well, it was a problem for like Victor Arvidsson, who we thought last year was going to sort of break out the way a lot of people, maybe a little less, but similar to how Fiala was going to go, Arvidsson was going to go to LA and do great. Now we're thinking Fiala's going to do the same, and Arvidsson took him some time to find his feet. Fiala's a guy like he's so interesting. I think he's going to make or break a lot of fantasy teams. He's going in the top fifty in our mocks, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think that either makes him a reach or a steal. Like we couldn't even figure like out Fiala's, uh, you know, mysterious scoring habits and schedule in Minnesota where he like couldn't produce for a full season, sometimes was absent the first quarter, the first half. I like, so I'm staying away. It sounds, sounds like you are too, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly. It, like it depends where he's available. Um, like part of the reason we put a minus was that he was ranked really high initially. Um, and like, for my scoring settings, uh, I have him ranked 48th. Um, like he's a very good winger to have. It's just he, there's there's some caution to him being thrust into a top line role. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then, well, so here's someone else being thrust. Well, I don't know. I think you're going to argue he's being ejected from a top line role. I've seen uh, I've seen since Twitter come for you already on this. We're talking about Alex Debrinkit who uh, like just in general, by the way, like you get like you have like thousands of ads, right? Like how many a day would you estimate? Uh, I don't know because I also uh, started this new feature on Twitter called don't look at are you mute notifications from people who don't follow you. So if a tweet like blows up a bit uh, and someone who doesn't follow me asks me, I will never see it. And it's been a lot a much better system than what I had before where I would look at literally everything and it oh, was good. draining. But uh, yeah. Sense Twitter is extremely funny and I... In I've a good way or...? In a, in a good way. I, yeah. up, I remember last time they... I said this on Twitter. Last time they were fake good and they made the playoffs even though their team was like not great and then we were confirmed the following year where they like think finished in like last place or whatever and the rebuild started, but they were just really obnoxious and now they're just hilarious. And it's a, it's, it's a strong Twitter group. Like I really think so. It's, it's one I follow the most closely, but I, I I appreciate 
also the way like there is like this back and forth between that seems like lighthearted, if a little like a little hurt from one side. And the the hurt Mm -hmm. came from you, uh, you sharing you shared a screenshot where you ranked the sends forwards. B minus, uh, <laughs> like you rank the forward core, and and I'm quoting a tweet. This is just from a few days back. He said, "I feel like I've seen way too many people talking like this is an elite forward group when they don't have a single truly elite player." And of course, the name that everyone's going to toss at you at that moment is Alex DeBrinket, who mm-hmm. you know is a 40 goal scorer, has been uh, such a uh, like a has had an amazing NHL career, even in his down years. They weren't down. Like to me, they just seemed like bad, like yeah. unfortunate variance was happening. Everything still seemed to be going well. I actually think you're being kind of fair to him in, in your model. Like I'm I'm not coming for like he played 21 minutes a night in Chicago last year. Yeah. I don't know that he's gonna get that. Uh, 35 goals, you still have him down for, which seems reasonable. So this is this is just a moment for you to share. Um, yeah, like why why you might not be as big on Debrinket as some of his biggest hopefuls might be. Yeah, I see he's being drafted 40th on Yahoo, which is a lot of uh, a lot of hope that he is that guy. 32nd uh, in in our mocks. Oh my god, that is that is interesting. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Kane doesn't play for the Senators and that would be my biggest concern by far of whether he can replicate what he does without Kane. I think he's a fantastic player and he should get a lot of the way there, but I think it's kind of uh, akin to when the Leafs traded for Kessel and Kessel popped off with Mark Savard and the Leafs didn't have a Mark Savard. So his scoring went down to a reasonable rate, but it was still not what he did in Boston. And I think to bring it, I think he's better than Kessel was at the time and is a, a strong forward, but I think he's in that like 25 to 35 range of best forwards where you wonder if those guys are truly elite or if they're just like extremely good. Um, But the other thing with Ottawa is there are a lot of mouths to feed and not a lot of power play time to go around. They, you talk about how loaded their top six is only four of those guys are going to be on power play one. And we talked to, I think Ian Mendez and he because Ottawa's power play was so good last year, they or like decent enough, whatever Josh Norris had a million power play goals. They might not change power play one. They might have uh Debrink and Giroux on power play two. And that makes things interesting because Debrink is such a strong power play weapon. I don't know why they wouldn't have him on power play one, but because there is not enough ice time to go around, I think the Sens scores might not pop off as much as people think they will. If you got to set the lines, who would you bump from the top power play to bring in to bring it? Um, well, I mean, one of those guys might go to jail. So, right. I guess then that opens up a yeah. spot, but opens I guess we'll up see. a spot. Uh, yeah. Um, Fair enough. So I guess next up we can go to uh, some a couple more goalies. We talked about Georgiev and Murray as guys that you have like higher than maybe some people would have expected. Brian and I did an episode recently where we tiered all the goalies in the league. And we had one guy in our tier three, which would put him at like 10th 
goalie at, at worst and you have him down at 18th that's Tristan Jari so I was very interested to get your take on him maybe we're too high on Tristan Jari you've only got 50 games projected when he played 58 last season and you have a 915 save percentage when he put up a 919 last season so I'm curious to know like what makes you think Jari might take a tumble in both his performance and his total games in this coming season I don't know you say I have him down for 50 games that's Again, went off fives. Maybe it should be higher. I did not know he played 58 last year. I, I'll probably bump him up next round and uh, ah. get him closer to where, uh, I guess, his ADP is. Because his ADP seems relatively fair, I think. Um, I mean, I'm totally cool with you going with fives. Like, that's goalies, right? Like, it's so hard yeah. to predict what a guy's going to do. Yeah. So I'm just curious if there was something behind it. Uh, no, like, goalies are a lot based on volume. So you obviously want a goalie who starts like 60 games and is always playing. And I, I did think Jari didn't play as much as he did last year. And that's just a a user error by me. We will fix that. And the good thing is that anyone listening to this right now can fix themselves and put a little 54 there or 55 and immediately bump Jari up. So there you go. We got a little QA session going on here. <laughs> okay, then another goalie. So I'm curious to know if this is the same situation or not. Uh, doesn't look like you have much faith in Jack Campbell. The, not as much faith as the Oilers have anyways. I wonder if this is like you being like uh, maybe happy that he left the Leafs and they didn't decide to resign him him- themselves. Like he's your 20th ranked goalie according to our like cupful scoring that I put in. Uh, another mm-hmm. guy that you put down for only 50 games. I would have maybe expected him to play more than 50 just based on the contract. I know a lot of people think Stuart Skinner is really good. And yeah, only a 9-10 save percentage. I know last season was crazy like he was so amazing then he was so terrible he still landed at a 914 so mm-hmm. does it is it true is, am i correct in saying that you think that edmonton really whiffed on this signing um no like he's a good goalie but like that's as far as you can really go with him he's extremely hot and cold um and the 914 i think obfuscates the fact that the leafs defense was extremely good and Gave him a lot of uh, easier games. I think his expected save percentage was somewhere around like 918, 920. And so he was a lot worse than expected last year. And that all stemmed from his cataclysmic, catastrophic fall from grace. Like first two months, he looked like a potential Vesna guy. After that, he looked like one of the worst goalies in the league. And the Leafs kept winning regardless. And that is that bodes well to like the strength of their team and why I am not as concerned with Matt Murray back there because they were the fourth best team in the regular season with pretty terrible goaltending. So they should be fine. But the thing with Campbell is I like, he is a bit of an injury risk as well. So I put him and Matt Murray down for a similar amount of games. I feel like that is basically where you're a starter, but there is some injury concern for both of them. Maybe the type of goalie that if you draft, maybe then late in the draft, you grab their backup if you have room just in case, because if they do get injured, which is more likely, then that backup becomes a little more valuable. I, I, I feel like backups are usually just available on the waivers. That's that... true. Yeah. I guess with like Samsonov, I just imagine, like, I don't know, maybe I'm like way too low on Lurie, Murray. I just assume like game one, like halfway through the game, he'll have a season ending injury. And I hope not, <laughs> right? Like, I hope he'll be good. It's just so hard to he, imagine him it's, playing. It's possible. Game. It's possible. Yeah, so I guess um, I wanted to ask you, by the way, you've already done, I think uh, the general vibe we have, at least in the Patreon group, is that you only drop your rankings and, and this spreadsheet, like once you've already done your draft. Is that the case? Like you already drafted for your main league? Nope, I didn't draft yet. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I was in New York on Labor Day and I had a concert. Usually my draft is on Labor Day um, and it's the easiest way to get everyone in the same room. Um, 
And this year, oh, uh, my best friend is on his honeymoon. That is the other issue. And he doesn't come back until the 21st. And so I'm like, we're not having the draft without you. I'm going to go to New York. I have this concert. It's all good. And so I had to drop their rankings regardless. And it is, it's funny because I've dropped the rankings once before, uh, before my draft. And that was the one year I was like set up to win, um, win it all because I had all these picks. My keepers were amazing. And because everyone had access to my, uh, my little sheet, I didn't get the, all the guys I would have normally have gotten. And it was, a it was a bummer where I finished second, I think, or third or whatever the playoffs were a bit rough. And this year's the same. I set myself up for a good season. My keepers are disgusting. And again, I won't have the advantage of having being the only one with my projections. Still think you probably should be the favorite, right? You have the you have that innate draft strategy sense that they won't have. You could set like those numbers perfectly. Some of them do. It's 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 tough. But my listen to my keepers, okay? Are you ready for this? Last year I spent like I I knew my team like wasn't good enough to make the playoffs or sorry, contend in the playoffs. I'm like, I'm just gonna tank a bit and get some strong keepers. So here are the keepers. Uh, it's three forwards, two D, one goalie, 12 teams. We got uh, Mitch Marner, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Hughes, Dougie Hamilton, Miro Heiskanen, Connor Hellebuck. Those three forwards are, I think, just disgusting to have. And I love watching all of them. So I think it's it's a fun keeper group. And it's a young keeper group outside of, I think, Dougie Hamilton. But I just love Hamilton regardless. I, I like that sh- that makeup. Like, uh, it reminds me, like, you don't have any of those, like, top, you know, like, top five guys. You sort of, have, like, I think, like, mm-hmm. Kachuk and uh, who was it again? Oh, and Mar- Marner. Marner. Kachuk yeah. Marner. Yeah, like, I feel like those are two guys that would go, like, kind of late in the first round. Yeah. In most drafts. Last year in the Cup full, it was I did an auction draft. And I also, like, sort of, like, avoided, like, I didn't spend the big money on, like, the McDavid's and the Matthews. But mm-hmm. I got Rantanen and Barkov in the auction. And then I got Kyle Connor. So, sort of similar. I think it's kind of a similar three guys like or at least last yeah. year Kyle Connor wasn't ranked as high right so he was a kind of a late second kind of like maybe a Jack Hughes would be now mm-hmm. yeah I think you're gonna I, win I I, <laughs> I I hope so for me it's just the like the age of everyone where they're all like in their prime oh yeah so it's not only for ne- I'm just thinking for next season yeah like yeah. long term you're hopefully just gonna get better and better um, yeah. okay so I guess uh, we're done with our general questions one fun thing I wanted to ask you about is like uh, Brian was sort of talking about how sometimes people are mad at you like the Ottawa fans are coming at you on Twitter another take you had that I'd imagine I'd be curious to know actually what is the thing that people got the most mad at you about over this this past season or over this off season. but I know one that I saw a lot of people not so happy about was you did that article about the worst contracts in the league the top 10 yeah. do you know where I'm going with this uh, uh i don't you, i don't remember which oh nick suzuki yeah nick suzuki people I were upset like, that you had him there just read the, the what i wrote that's it <laughs> you can tell who read it and who didn't and i just ignored the people who didn't that's all right. all we needed to do really um the the worst i got and this is what caused me to go into my settings and mute anyone who doesn't follow me was during the <laughs> rangers playoff run all i tweeted was must be nice to not face a starting goalie and they went insane. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. Rangers. I felt like uh, Rangers Twitter this past playoffs was like Habs Twitter, the playoffs before, like this massive, massive chip on their shoulder that like yeah. they knew, like they, they couldn't acknowledge like what was happening was amazing and exciting, but it also wasn't like completely supposed to happen, but enjoy it. Like, don't be yeah. mad at people for mentioning that. Like, Hey, this is special. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Like, go with it. Run I, with it. Yeah. I feel like when you spend the whole season being told you're fake good and then you make it to the conference finals, you get sort of that angry energy of uh, yeah. I told you so. And then anyone like still doesn't believe it is like, screw you and we'll get a little angry. And I understand it. I respect it. I think that's that's one of the value values of having models is that fans have a target for who to be upset at. And right. I think it's really funny. Like proving a model wrong is there's just something about it. There's something about it that makes fans so happy, a sense of community. And I enjoy that I offer that to them. And it's nice also that for you, you could just be like, don't be mad at me. Be mad at the robot. It's, I didn't come <laughs> up with these. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the Rangers for next year? Is like, uh, now are they not as much fake good now they brought in Trocek? Or do you think it doesn't make that much of a difference? Um, I mean, we'll see how much better he is than Strom. I thought Strom was pretty yeah. good on the Rangers. So I don't know if that's really an upgrade, but they are not a deep team. They have a very strong core. They have the best goal in the world. That'll be enough to make the playoffs. I think what they do at the deadline will be extremely telling of how good they can be. And I think the biggest wild card is their three kids and whether they can take a meaningful step forward like they show in the playoffs. So Lafreniere, Kako, and Heedle, if they, if just one of them takes a huge jump, I think the Rangers are immediately a much better team and maybe even a contender. Um, you can put Miller in that conversation as well. And the more of those four that jump and have a huge breakout, the better situated Rangers are just that none of them have really yet. Um, Miller was pretty strong last year. I think he looked like a solid top four guy, but if he can jump up and be a legit top pairing guy, I think that'll be huge for them. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like it's a matter of just like, can these guys meet their draft stock? All of a sudden they have like a bunch of superstars, right? And and I guess Kravtsov also is coming back. So we'll have to see what he is. Uh, Okay. Don, this has been so amazing. Like I could keep talking to you, obviously asking about more of your projections, but I assume you have very important things to do, important business meetings as the uh, staff, uh, what is it? Staff writer at the athletic. That sounds like a very high, important position. Uh, I'm a, I'm a senior writer now. Just is senior better than staff. Uh, yeah, it means you're old now, I guess. I don't know. Um, I'm going to feed myself and my dogs. That is, that is the important business that is happening after this podcast. You know that, uh, so at my company, I'm a software developer and actually a staff developer is higher than a senior developer. So who knows? Interesting. Uh, I I don't know. I I know that at my company, senior is more important than staff. (laughs) Okay. Well, that could be another thing people can give us feedback about uh, on the show, what you think is better. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Oh, Dom. So is there anything you want to tell people to check out beyond what we've, we've already discussed? Um... No, people know where to find me. Season previews start tomorrow. And that's always fun to talk about every team 3000 words at a time. So uh, I think those are the two things people look forward to most in September. They're from me anyways, my fans projections and my season previews. So those are those are coming and you're I don't know when this podcast drops to those listening right now and they on Monday, you'll learn a lot more about the Arizona Coyotes and the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> And are these uh, going to be the last bottom two teams in the league? Is that a spoiler? Uh, yes, that is that is a little spoiler hint of who's coming tomorrow. <laughs> I guess Chicago. I think I like... Okay, anyways, I, I could keep going forever talking to you, but okay. Thanks so much for coming yeah. on, Dom. Really appreciate it. Everyone should follow you at Dom Luschishin. Uh, and of course, also like read all of your articles on The Athletic. It's like, you're not... You're not doing it right, I think, if you're not following what, <laughs> what Dom is doing. So thanks so much again, and uh, hope you enjoy your lunch. 
Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm like, it's breakfast still. It's still breakfast. I knew it was <laughs> breakfast. You, just, you guys skip breakfast to be on the show. Oh. Yeah. Huge sacrifice. Much appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you, Dom. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Dom. Great chatting. All right, Brian, that was Dom Luschishin coming on. Always amazing to get him on the show and to hear all of his fun takes and to to explain the various projections. I mean, I definitely... like The nice thing is, like, we're all on the same page here. Like, anyone I'm sure drafting the couple who expects to do well is probably using that spreadsheet, at least, you know, but the nice thing is we could all, like, make our little tweaks as we're preparing for our drafts and, like, doing the plus pluses and the minus minuses. You know, sometimes you get those Dauber projections also, and you can sort of use those to help you decide what you're going to do. So, I don't know, everyone could have their own strategies, but yeah, I... I love this spreadsheet. So I actually make my own spreadsheet and I basically just modeled it after this spreadsheet because I guess I'm fancy that way. But uh, I always download it to get those projections. Um, okay, Brian, what else should we talk about before we go here? I guess we need to tell people that this Keeping Carlson Alto Patriot Fantasy League, thanks to everyone who registered and signed up in your draft start tomorrow on Monday. So <laughs> good luck to everyone in your uh, slow drafts that are going to go, I guess, for the next couple of weeks. Very exciting. Yeah, but that doesn't mean if you still want in on the action, we're not closing the door yet. Like we're going to, if we have enough people to fill new divisions, it's 14 managers in a division and enough time to draft, we'll do it up until puck drop this season. So kkupfl.com to find out all about that. And, uh, and also you get to be part of our discord community. Like that's sort of like, that was the number one perk for a while. And now it's like, now we're all about cupful, but it's, it's this amazing online hockey space. People are talking about hockey 24 seven and more. Um, it's a beautiful little uh, corner of the internet. It's, really the only place i talk hockey I like, I like our crew for sure also another big perk you get of becoming a patron so yeah keep the couple to play you have to become a patron you're i like to think of it as like you're supporting the show you're becoming a patron to help support us because you appreciate the work we do and this is a listener supported show uh but uh then you are giving you perks to thank you as opposed to you signing up as a patron for the perks so that's just in my head <laughs> well you can do what you want uh but another big perk coming your way soon is brian we've got a patron cast scheduled for tuesday where we're going to answer all of the questions that are patrons have requested the rule of patron cast is we answer everything we can't stop until we're done which means this tuesday might be the longest patron cast ever because we have so many questions and they all look like interesting and complex so it's going to be a really wild show for people to either join us live uh, while we record on tuesday evening or uh, to listen to after we post to the patreon like secret rss feed that you only get as a patron so that's going to be really fun and uh, we'd love to have you. And it's not even too late to post more questions if you really want to make Brian and I <laughs> stay up all night and make our uh, families mad at us. Uh, so that's something going on. So again, keepingcarlson.com slash patron if you want to support us. I've also got another show in the hopper, Brian. Not not record. I guess in the hopper isn't the right term. But I've got another show scheduled for tomorrow. As of now, I'm going to be talking to Victor Nuno on Monday about Calder candidates. This, this is another annual tradition where Victor's downloaded the like Vegas odds. And we're going to go over the odds makers you know, I guess, like picks for who they think are the best candidates to win the Calder for the top rookie. And then Victor's going to give his picks and we'll discuss like who we think are like, you know, the odds makers are saying too high or too low. Not like that. It's like a betting podcast, which is a fun way to start to jump off and like the discussion. So that's always a fun show. I guess we'll drop that like later in the week once you've had time to consume this domination podcast so yeah just make sure you're subscribed to keeping carlson because we've got a lot still coming to you we want to do our best to get you prepared for your drafts and the best way you can you know make sure you get everything is to be subscribed on your apple podcast spotify 
whatever. I use Pocket Casts, uh, not a paid advertisement. Yeah, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you're subscribed. You'll get all the episodes. No, won't miss anything. But Brian, I guess with that, I could stop blabbing. We've said all the main things. Let's cue the outro music. Why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Aaron, Tyler, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, and Patty. Thank you all so much for your super support. Thank you. A huge thanks to our cupful coordinator, Kevin A. Bear. Holy cow. This is the, like, this is going to be the best year ever of the cupful, and it's all thanks to Kevin. He has been so organized and on top and, like, data oriented about, like, how to set up the cupful for the best year ever. And uh, our gratitude goes beyond words. So thanks to Kevin and our team of co-commishes. And, and our, we have a few commission captains, too, who are all helping get things set for draft launch on Monday at 9 a.m. So thank you to you all for all the work you're doing. Also, keep an eye on our game day tweets dot com suite of twitter accounts you can go there to find them thanks elon and shams benamore for helping keep the content coming welcome back short shifts you can follow ben and lewis at short shifts kk they released their season premiere earlier this week thank you to brandonweave.com for logo art including our brand new cupful logo that i'm going to start putting up in places outro music by pat roach this episode of the keeping carlson fancy hockey podcast was researched with help from Dauber Hockey Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Dom Loose Chishin. Great job, Brian. Great job, Dom, again, even though he's not here. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back at you soon. Like I said, we'll have Calder candidates, and we're going to have a patron cast. And then Brian and I are still going to also do something next weekend. I think Yahoo Rankings is next. So we'll figure it out. We'll be back in your ears soon. Thanks again. Good luck, everyone, in your drafts. Oh, and tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. Let us know how it's going. If you have any questions there, if you, uh, I don't know. Now I just keep blabbing. The outro music is playing, so I'm just going to say goodbye and ask Brian what he recommends we all do as we get ramped up in our drafts. I not only recommend, but I urge you to do all that you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone. <laughs>